0: How you doing, everybody? It's Michael Jenkins here with another episode of Buy the Book, a sports betting podcast. We're once again bringing you some of our favorite segments from the last few shows. First up, Megan McPeak and I took a look at some more of the week one NFL matchups. Let's look at some notable games before we look to the week one games. And is there one here? Is there one here, Megan, that you like?
1: So under the assumption okay. that Aaron will be in the green and yellow, Week 10, Seahawks-Packers. That one seems interesting to me because the Seahawks obviously going into Green Bay in November might be a blizzard. Um, but also, too, then, Bills and Chiefs. I think that one should be a game, good game, and it's right before my birthday. So Oh, okay. It's also Sunday night, based on the time of
0: 8.20. Correct. I feel like you nailed that across the board. Thank okay, you. Okay, very good. But no, those
1: are probably the two, just like looking at that list, those would be the two games that are intriguing to me, just to see how the Bills uh, look. We mm-hmm. saw what they did last season. Yep. Uh, This is now another opportunity for Josh Allen to continue to improve, uh, that entire team to continue to improve. But I'd like to see how they do against a team of the caliber of the Chiefs. You know, back-to-back Super Bowl appearances for them. Patrick Mahomes obviously doing what they do. I'd like to see how how they fare against that type of caliber. And then Seahawks at Packers, it's always fun to see Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers go head-to-head with each other and, and sling it out. So it'll be interesting. But will both of them be in uniform for each team? We will wait and find out. That's a very good
0: question. (laughs) I really like that Bills-Chiefs matchup as well as one of the more marquee games on the schedule when you look at it overall, just because I think the Bills need to prove to themselves they can beat Kansas City, Mm. you know, even if not on a regular basis, but to get to the top of the mountain, at least in the AFC, they've got to find a way to get past the Chiefs. And if they can get past the Chiefs, maybe they can beat anyone, but they've got to prove that to themselves because I think they will meet again at some point, probably later on in the season when there is more on the line and after losing last year, they just need to, they just need to prove, Hey, we can hang with these guys. So we know how good the chiefs are going to be, but how good can the bills be? I think that is a bigger question going in
1: and everybody now from thanks to the Bucks has got the blueprint on how you can try and not necessarily beat the chiefs, but try to get to Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Yes. they've tried to improve uh, his coverage and and protect him a little bit more Mm -hmm. heading into this season. But at least you now have an idea and a blueprint of how you can put the puzzle together in how to attack Patrick Mahomes.
0: How about jets at Panthers? These NFL schedule makers, you guys very slick there. I see what you're doing. I know what you're doing. All of a sudden, you yeah, I see you all of a sudden, it's Sam Darnold's new team hosting his old team. And right now, the Panthers are four-point favorites in this game with a total set at 43. So right out of the box, giving no time to waste, they're saying, all right, Sam, what do you got against the team that sent you away?
1: Yeah, this one will be fun for Sam Darnold. I
0: it think. will be. He needs, he needs this one. Sam Darnold needs this when A, he's on the better team now, but B, the last thing he wants to start his season off with is because- Losing to Zach Wilson? Yeah, and it's Zach, and that you know what? That's actually a better point because <laughs> Sam Darnold is an NFL quarterback. Right, that's has, the guy that they moved you for. Right, and Zach Wilson's <laughs> first ever NFL game will be against the Panthers down in Charlotte. So I actually would lay the points with the Panthers. I'm not sold on the Jets, and and especially a rookie quarterback playing his first ever game. Sam Darnold is not a rookie. You can debate all you want about how good he is, but he's certainly a a more of a known commodity than Zach Wilson at this point.
1: Yeah, NFL rookie, first Mm -hmm. game on the road it'd be different if it's at home because you have the confines of maybe you got your family around you you you've got your routine down for your home routine because your road routine is going to be completely different and he doesn't know what his road routine looks like yet and now he's got to do it week one Hmm, this should be fun
0: Hmm,
1: we get to see how confident the jets really are in you zach wilson i don't feel good about it
0: Ah, wow a lot of vitriol towards zach wilson you don't like zach wilson
1: i don't not like him I just don't appreciate okay. the fact that he didn't have to go through the same mud during the draft lead up that every other quarterback had to. Okay. Well, and you haven't pre- there's a difference between Trevor Lawrence not having to do it. Okay. And he still had to go through it because right. people still questioned him, right? They still question. Is he the best quarterback? Is he the best athlete? This that and the third. There was still some conversation right. around Trevor Lawrence. There was zero conversation around Zach Wilson. And yet you have Trey Lance. Uh, Mac Jones and Justin Fields literally getting dragged the entire time. Well, that's because you know conversation. the conversation, but that's what I'm saying. He didn't have to go through what they did. He got treated like he was the second coming of Aaron Rodgers. But isn't that the Jets' and fault? That's what I'm saying. Right. But I, but you now are the leader for that team, so right. She, heavy so... heavy is the head that wears the crown, sir. I can't punish Zach
0: Wilson for being oh, a I'm college kid him. who I'm just when him. a team said, "Hey, you're our guy." great good for him it could have been any guy I think he went yeah you are punishing him he's just a college kid who's listen I don't necessarily believe you haven't
1: earned the scapegoat of not having anybody talk about you and pick apart your game but isn't that on the Jets it is but I mean the Jets
0: if the Jets say this is our guy what can Zach Wilson do about that regardless of work ethic or where he went to school or anything that's just the Jets saying you're our guy
1: he could still go and do pro days
0: okay so you don't like the fact
1: he just sat there and said well I'm going to the Jets. I don't have to yeah. do anything. Someone, I don't like that. Okay,
0: if someone comes to you and says, we're drafting you, you are our pick, number I two want, overall, it, wouldn't in, you be like, great, I'd sounds be like, good. great,
1: but I'd still want to prove why I'm a number two overall pick.
0: But why would you, if you're guaranteed to go number two, when anything you because do. Because what
1: happened if the Jets gaslighted, and that was a smoke screen, and turned around, and they took Trey Lance? He hasn't worked out for anybody. He screwed himself in that moment. But he didn't because he got drafted by the Jets. But, but it worked out, but had it not worked out.
0: Right, but they did work out. He did work out. For? The Jets.
1: Exactly my point, you only worked out for the Jets. He had a pro day. So I'm saying, had you not had to put in the same amount of work on a right. consistent basis that the rest of them did, right. and the Jets didn't take you, and it right. backfired on you, you right. screwed yourself. Perhaps. How? I'm just saying, I'm questioning his work ethic at this point.
0: You're questioning his work ethic? Yeah. Oh my lord. I would say, I, high, I would say very quickly, if, you once, if you're guaranteed noticed, a spot,
1: I have high standards.
0: If you're guaranteed a spot, it's just like a player that opts out for a senior season because they don't want to get injured and hurt their draft status. Like, listen, I'm not going to do anything to hurt my status. If I know I'm going somewhere, I'm not going to put myself out there. I might opt out. I might not work out. If I know where I'm going, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize where I know I'm going. Because at that point, you have nothing to gain. You're not going number one. Number two is your best case scenario. Right. So why not stick with your best case instead of maybe worsening your position? But
1: that's a bad comparison because I can't blow my ACL in a pro day workout. You absolutely can, can. But I can blow my ACL in a
0: game. You can blow. There are guys who practice all the time. Practice injuries happen all the time. In
1: pro day, you're not taking hits. It doesn't matter. You
0: can step You can step erroneously on the turf. You t- turn an ankle. Non-contact injuries happen all the time in football. I know that. a do, guy running around and all of a sudden a it's pro, like boom. In a pro
1: day, you're not going the way you would in practice.
0: You don't have to. But that, oh, that's excellence. what
1: I'm saying. I, the chances of you having the same serious injury that you would in a game right. on your pro day are slim to none. But
0: I wouldn't say slim, I would say they're lower.
1: I'd say slim to none.
0: So even if it's slim, why would you even take the smallest chance if you can't improve your draft positioning?
1: You're not necessarily, I'm not saying you do it to improve your draft positioning. I'm saying you do it to prove why you should be the number two pick.
0: All right, we have to move on. I don't want to get
1: punched. I have high standards, sorry.
0: Broncos and Giants. Giants laying a point. Oh, getting a point, I should say, at home. And a small minus 105 money line there. The Broncos are the favorites at minus 115. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if I wrote this wrong. I think the Giants <laughs> might have been favored at one point, or maybe I just wrote that down wrong. But I like the Giants regardless. What, what say you?
1: This one's interesting to me because you don't know, like it comes into play with with the Packers. You don't know their QB situation because we all know that they want Aaron Rodgers and they're trying to do anything and everything to get him. Right. So is this line the way it is, not knowing that situation and who will be at at quarterback? Or is it that Vegas feels that no matter who's at quarterback right now, this is where the line is supposed to be. I think
0: if, if, if Vegas believe, I think it's built in that the Broncos will not get Aaron Rodgers into this line because if Aaron Rodgers is a starting quarterback for the Broncos, they are definitely more than a one-point favorite, even on the road at the Meadowlands. Okay. They have to be. They're, they're Then all of a sudden, they're an appreciably better football team.
1: I would hope so. <laughs> As
0: it stands right now, the Giants are dogs. I, I would actually lay the point with, or just play the money line for the Giants. You know, because you're just gonna get a little bit better value, but Saquon's healthy, they got Kenny Galladay. It's the second year in that offensive system for Daniel Jones, so I feel like, you know, especially at home, I don't believe in the Broncos or Drew Locke at all, so I'll take the Giants.
1: Why do you feel comfortable with the money line on this one?
0: Well, just because why even pay, if you're taking the, you know, if you're gonna take the spread, then you're gonna pay minus 110, that's sort of the standard price, right? Gotcha. So if it's just a point, Why not just take the money line, and all of a sudden you're shortening your risk. It's not a a huge shortening, but it's shortening from minus 110 to minus 105, so why not just take the money line, because you're just looking for a win anyway. At one point, you know, if it's one point, you're just looking for a win.
1: You just want the win, doesn't care about spread.
0: Exactly, I mean, yes, technically you could could push perhaps, but that would probably not happen. I mean, you're sort of, you're basically just trying to mitigate your risk by saying, okay, I don't need the point, I'm just looking for a win. All right. All right, okay, Dolphins and the Patriots. Another more of the interesting Week One matchups with the Patriots a two-point favorite at home. What are you thinking?
1: I think on either side, this is pretty. This is pretty good. Pretty good spread. Pretty good number. I think when you don't know what type of Cam Newton you're going to get, I think giving him enough respect that you give them the two. Right. But then also too, you don't know what you're going to get out of Tua is he going to take the next step in his NFL career he's now got you know some weapons beside him trying to add to the offense give him a little bit more to work with trying to protect him so I think both sides getting the two I think is is respectable and I think it's favorable
0: yeah I like the Patriots a lot here as a matter of fact I I need to see a little bit more from Tua and you know there's a lot of anticipation that this will be the big growth year for him now that he sort of jumped into the lineup last season. Now he's going to have a full season to sort of prove what he can do and he'll have Jalen Waddle. But opening the year on the road at Foxborough against a Bill Belichick defense and a Patriots team that is much, much improved, is, especially when you have a short line, less than a field goal here, so it's shorter than that key number. I, I like the Patriots a lot. I think the Patriots may surprise us this season and be a little bit better than anticipated. I know they were bad last year, but Cam has had another year, had COVID issues, and You know, the Patriots will have had plenty of time to prepare for this game. Right. I like New England.
1: How much do you think, not pressure-wise, but how much leash do you think Cam has at quarterback? Should he be the week one starter?
0: Mm, That's a good question. Or is
1: this a situation where Bill kind of rolls with him as much as he can, as far as he can, not trying to put a a rookie QB into the fire, throwing him to the line?
0: I think they're going to roll with Cam as long as they can. Uh, unless he gets injured, which is a possibility right. because he's banged up. They want to roll with him as long as possible because the Patriots are trying to win. Mm-hmm. You know, they are not in full especially week four. Absolutely. <laughs> they're trying to win, which is why they sign all these free agents, right? The the Patriots are not in a situation right now where they have a rookie quarterback and they're saying, listen, we're going to take our lumps and build a team They are, They are built to continue to win and then ease Mac Jones into the lineup. And I think it would be a mistake for them to put him into the lineup too early, just because cam struggles a little bit. You've invested in camp for a season. If, if at halfway through the season, Cam isn't getting it done, you're losing games, fine. Let's get Mac Jones in there and get him ready to go. But ideally, they bring him along slowly, and Cam is the guy at least for one more season.
1: Because you definitely don't want Tom Brady walking in week four and you got Mac Jones at QB.
0: No, you do that not. Be, that line will change. That could It'll be, change a great deal. That could be risky. Niners on the road in Motown. The money has hit San Francisco. We see seven and a half now. Niners favorites against the Lions. Ah, the Lions make me nervous yeah. I, over a touchdown over a full touchdown is a little nerve wracking, but also the Lions are a bad football team. Agreed.
1: I think this one staying away from it.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this is I will say the Niners are a much better team than the Lions. Again, lines like this make me a touch nervous. However, the Niners are a much better football team than the Lions. This could be a, a 24-10 game. Okay. The Vikings are visiting the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Bengals are a three-point home dog, total set at 48. Vikings, a Moneyline favorite, minus 160. The Bengals at plus money, plus 140 on the money line. First blush, what do you think it here?
1: So this, is, this one is interesting because we'll get our first chance to see uh, Christian Darrisaw. Mm-hmm. and what he can do and how good he can be. But it's also going to be the first chance to see Jamar Chase mm-hmm. alongside T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and what they can do with Joe Burrow. So I'm interested to see what uh, what Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow can do back together, again, yep. obviously with their LSU days, um, if they can kind of get that spark back together, maybe give some, some hope to the Bengals fans. But as well, too, I want to see how well this uh, Bengals O-line can protect Joe Burrow. And what yep. they're going to do to keep him upright and how they're going to keep him upright because that was obviously a big a big issue last year for them with him obviously yep. going down with the knee injury. So that's probably what I'm going to keep my eye on um, week one probably into week yep. two, three on what this O-line is going to do, how they're going to protect their quarterback to yep. avoid another serious injury. Um, so, you know, this one I think is pretty fair set at three either side. Yep. Um, Bengals at home. Vikings on the road, I think I might be leaning towards Bengals just with Joe Burrow seeing what I he can do. I am too.
0: I am too a lot. I mean, you mentioned those that core of receivers that Joe Burrow has now and if things work out the way they plan, I mean, he could have some serious offensive yeah. weapons around him, especially if Chase develops into that stud that we believe he's going to be for the Cincinnati Bengals. And honestly, I, you know, I always say this, there's certain there's certain players I don't trust and I don't trust Kirk Cousins a lot. <laughs> and I Bengals, you know, there's something about a season opener that I think teams can eventually they settle into who they are. But mm-hmm. in season openers, you do see teams sort of play above their normal level. Up. They're just hyped yeah. up. It's the season opener. They've been waiting. You know, the fans are excited. There's, there's a level of excitement that is hard to find elsewhere, maybe outside of the, the playoffs because mm-hmm. it is the start. And you've got a Bengals team that's going to have plenty of offensive weapons. And the Vikings haven't been good on the road historically with Kirk Cousins over the past couple of years. So, yeah, when I look at this game, I think, I like Bengals plus three. I'll take Bengals plus a field goal right there at that key number. In fact, that's another game. I'm not. I generally like to bet spreads, but man, there are some games that I look at in week one and those money line, those money line dogs, especially if it's a home dog like the Bengals look really enticing to me. So I'm on Cincinnati. All right, all right. Game number two,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Cardinals and the Titans. This is a pretty interesting game because you have two very different styles of teams. Of course, the Titans like to grind it out and, and be so physical in the AFC. And then you have the Cardinals able to air it out with Cliff Kingsbury and, you know, the way he coaches and, and implements that offense with Kyler Murray. Titans minus two and a half, a small short spread at home in Nashville. What do you think, Megan?
1: So this one's interesting, and it, it, I'm going to bring it back to offense, defense for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at the Cardinals averaging, at least last season, near nearly 800. 800- or sorry 800 385 yards offensively but the Titans give up nearly 400 yards defensively yeah so I think that's going to be key for the Titans especially at home it's going to be their defense yeah your offense is going to be one thing but I think their defense is going to have to try and slow down this Cardinals offense what they're going to have to do um make it tough make it physical in order for them to score so that's kind of where I'm looking at this one other than that I think just with it being so um starkly different in in styles of play yeah I don't know if I'd I'd go with this one might stay away from it uh, but the total the total is what is uh, interesting to me because it's such um, a high number at, at 51 yeah. it makes me wonder if you know defense is kind of go to the wayside yeah and we're gonna get a high scoring game so I might sprinkle some money on the total over under kind of kind of look there rather than this this two-and-a-half spread because there is, it's not a not a nice field goal number like where you seeing?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I might go in the opposite direction. I, I like the Titans here and I think they're going to do their best to slow this game down. The last thing you want to do is get in a, you know, a back and forth battle with a team like the Cardinals. That's what they want to do, right? They, right. they want to have a shootout with you. They want to say our offense is definitely better than yours. So if you want to have a shootout with us and you want to score a lot of points, let's score a lot of points. I think if you're the Titans and you mentioned it, they want to be, and they are the more physical team. There's no question. They're a physical team. They're a bigger team, but the Cardinals are much faster. I think Tennessee wants to slow this game down, feed Derrick Henry as much as they can, be smart with their passing game when they have to pass the ball, but ultimately wear down the Cardinals and maybe keep this game under the number. It's going to be fun to watch as far as a contrast of styles. Right. And, you know, I sort of got lulled into this idea that Titans defense was pretty good last year. It actually wasn't. You know, they did struggle on defense, as you mentioned. So the Cardinals actually had a better defense. But I do think the Titans can slow this game down enough. And again, it's below that key number of three, which is huge. And they win by a field goal. You cash if you're laying the points with the Titans. I'll also say this. I wonder how that Cardinals attack is going to look with AJ Green and Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald mm-hmm. continues to defy the odds and, and have his game evolve he's an incredible blocker right he used to be a guy that just went straight down the field now he's still willing to go across the middle and and take shots he's such a pro but he is slowing down and then A.J. Green is sort of the same way and of course they have DeAndre Hopkins as well I'm curious how that offense will look if it will remain explosive or if these guys these veterans who have signed are just a little too old for it to to be as dynamic as it maybe could be
1: it'll be interesting to see because you mentioned just with the way that they have IQ with the way they play the game yeah. in in Fitzgerald and, and Green. It'll be interesting to see if they utilize their age and experience to yeah. work in their favor with how they attack the field. Yes. And, and maybe utilize that against them versus um, the speed that they used to have.
0: Yeah. And I will also say this. I they The Cardinals did draft Rondell Moore, who is an absolute stud out of Purdue. He's so fast and thick. He's... If you look at his measures like this is not a tall guy, it, it doesn't matter. He is, he is well built and can fly and, and went under the radar because he went to Purdue. And he's going to fit perfectly in that offense. So if you're looking at someone who, you know, you're going to get a lot of value on rookie of the year, someone just to keep an eye on, I'm telling you, watch Rondell Moore, he's the perfect sort of fit. He's that guy, that Swiss Army knife, where Cliff Kingsbury is just going to say, put this guy on the field. Nobody's going to be thinking about Rondell Moore, but I guarantee you, you will hear from Rondell Moore before this season is over. OK, Sunday Night Football. Bears and the Rams, the Rams, seven-point home favorites. paying a hefty price on the money line, minus 345. But if you like, Chicago, plus 285 with the total set at 45. So we're going to see a, a lower scoring game here. In fact, this total has come down from 45 and a half. So some money coming in on the under, Megan. Duh, Bears. Bears. You like the Bears?
1: I just felt like saying that. Okay. What um, everybody knows – if they've paid attention to the show, that I was big on Justin Fields' throat lead up to the draft. Yeah. Still am big on him. I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do. I think his ability to play in different weather situations at Ohio State is going to benefit him in Chicago because of, obviously, yeah. the the things that they deal with in Chicago with the snow uh, during football season. So I think that's going to be a benefit yep. to him versus a player who might have come from, you know, West Coast having to play there would have yeah. been different. Um But they have there's a lot on the line for this Bears team. And it's in the sense of their head coach Mm -hmm. and their GM. They had to throw all their chips into this one to try and save their jobs. And it's not on Justin Fields to save their jobs. But the interesting thing is Bears fans have to they're 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 hard to please because they want to win now. Right. But they also understand that they have they they have potential longevity in Justin Fields. So they know he has to develop especially work on their flaws. So they've got to be patient and I think week one against uh, a good Rams defense last season giving up under 300 yards per game from the defense is going to be a great uh, test for week one for him on how he can adapt how he can uh, see the field and what he does so I'm interested in this one I'm gonna stay away from it simply because I want to see what he does against a good defense in this league
0: I happen to think Justin Fields will not start week one I think it's gonna be Andy Dalton I think they brought him in and they want him look Andy Dalton used to be a very good quarterback in this league and he's still Okay, he's not a great quarterback, but he's good enough to start a few games before they bring in Justin Fields. And I think the last thing you want to do is bring in Justin Fields against one of the best defenses in the National Football League on the road on Sunday Night Football. It's just too big of a stage right now. At some point, I don't think it will be, but I think this is Andy Dalton's job, at least for a few weeks, to see how he does. Because, you know, if you don't have to throw in a rookie quarterback, there's sometimes, you know, the, the Bengals are a good example. Andy Dalton's former team is that when they drafted Joe Burrow, had no one. It's like, Joe Burrow, you are the guy. Jags are the same way. It's Trevor Lawrence. There was not some sort of veteran that, that maybe could hold things down for a while. Andy Dalton is good enough to sort of be an average quarterback for a while and ease Justin Fields in. I just don't like the idea of throwing a quarterback in unless you have to.
1: What if he wins the starting job in training camp?
0: If he if he wins it outright.
1: That's where I'm going under the assumption that I mean, he wins it outright I'm, in training camp.
0: I would be stunned that if, if Justin Fields comes in and is better than – an NFL veteran who has done this for a long time. If he does, you know, good on him. And then regardless, I'm laying the points with the Rams. (laughs) But, you know, I guess that's a possibility. But if he does win that starting job in training camp, it means he is ready to go. Because not that Andy Dalton is the end all be all, but to beat out a veteran like that in training camp would be something. Week one in the NFL, one of the games we're (laughs) highlighting, the Ravens and the Raiders. Do you like a side here?
1: Ah, let me scroll into my notes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in this this one, I am not really leaning either way, Yeah, if I'm honest with you. Okay. Uh, that's fair. I can understand, you know, what the Raiders are trying to do. They're trying to build. This is, if I'm not mistaken, the fourth year in John Gruden's uh, contract, four or I five. I think that's right, yep. Um, so, he's obviously got something to prove. To be able to not just you know make moves, draft players, but also get it done on the field. Sure. So that'll be interesting. And then too, I would like to see what we get from Lamar Jackson. Uh, mm-hmm. Has had a, a tough couple of seasons, especially coming off of what he had done previously, sure. winning MVP, all of that. So it'll be interesting to see how he can put it all together and adapt to the way he's supposed to be playing the the game. Because yes, as talented and as athletic, excuse me, as he is. At some point, you don't want to see him turn into uh, a Cam Newton where his body gets uh, hit, starts to break down, deal with injuries. You want to see him protected a little bit more, similar to what we see from Patrick Mahomes uh, as well, too. So I'd be interested to see what they do. But I think this game is going to come down to defense Mm -hmm. um, for both teams and what they can get it done. And really, I'm just excited to see the Death Star full of fans.
0: I am, too. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere from everything I've heard. And the fans are out there absolutely nuts. And you add... Vegas fans are great, and Raiders fans in particular are mm-hmm. also just they were, off, off Raiders, the charts. Fans. Raiders
1: fans and Saints fans remind me of each other because they love to dress up. They love they're the maniacs. garb.
0: They, they're just They're I insane. It. I, like It's like, you know, there's different types of insanity for the, the Saints fans, for the Raiders fans, they like to dress up. They like to paint their faces. They're maniacal. It's an event. It is. Then you have Bills fans. They don't necessarily going to put on a bunch of garb, but they will light a few tables on fire. <laughs> And then suplex people through those tables, which I have a lot of respect for, too. So it's just, you know, what's your cup of tea? That's all.
1: It's your cup of tea.
0: Yeah, which is weird to say cup of tea when you're talking like, like something so refined, when you're talking about guys painting their faces and body slamming themselves through tables. I like the Raiders here. I'll take the plus four. It feels like a field goal game to me. Might sprinkle some money on the money line, but I just feel like, you know, opening up that stadium. The crowd is going to be absolutely ridiculous. They're going to be pumped up and they might be able to keep this close enough and maybe went outright just because it's a season opener mm-hmm. because there's going to be so much not necessarily on the line, but there's going to be a lot of build up and it's Monday Night Football. So I feel like uh, I like the Raiders here. Okay. How about the Eagles and Falcons? We have not talked about this game. The Falcons no. at home. We've seen some money come in on the Eagles. This line has gone from Falcons minus four to Falcons minus three and a hook. What do you think?
1: Interested spread, interesting spread. Okay. Um, Is this a three and a hook because of Matt Ryan being a little bit older? You don't know what you're getting with the weapons that they've added. Is Julio Jones playing into this as well too? Right. Um, Because, why is his name escaping me right now? Um, Matt Ryan. No QB for the Eagles. Why is the name the Jalen Hurts? Yes, thank you, Ron Jaworski. Jalen, <laughs> Jalen Hurts. He uh, has a lot to prove, I think, mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of pressure on him to get things done. It's never easy to play yep. in Philadelphia. We know that. So this one, I, I I'm interested to see why Vegas feels it's only three and a hook mm-hmm. uh, in favor of the Falcons, but. Atlanta at home. Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts. I think that's yeah. an added weapon that he's got. Uh, I'm moving under the assumption that Julio Jones is staying in Atlanta. That's the key. I would. I would feel comfortable with the Falcons in this. Uh, I thought that this would be more of like a six-point spread um, rather than a little bit more than a, mm-hmm. a field goal. So I, I would. I would take the Falcons in this one.
0: I, I'm with you. I. I, I never like going against the money, but you know sometimes you have to remember the money isn't always right and mm-hmm. sharp action isn't always right. Maybe this is public action, but I. You know, I need to see more from Jalen Hurts. And again, I wish him the best, but there's some quarterbacks, you know, Jameis Winston is another, even though we have more of a body of evidence on him, but there are question marks about how they perform. And we're talking about the most important position on the field. We know what Matt Ryan brings to the table. I assume, I hope Julio Jones is going to be there. Kyle Pitts will be an added weapon. I like the Falcons at home and it may take an adjustment period for Hurts to be the quarterback that Philly hopes he can be. So I would love it at three. Makes me a little nervous at three and a half because it's just past that key number, but I I would still lay with the Falcons, and I'm with you. I I feel like I would take this line at five, maybe minus six, so I'm with the Falcons as well. Okay, Seahawks and the Colts. Here we go. The Colts at home in Indianapolis, a two and a half point favorite against Russ and the Hawks. Let's look ahead to week one, Megan. What do you think?
1: This is interesting. This is another question I have for Vegas. Is it with the uncertainty of the relationship between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Like, Mm -hmm. what is playing into uh, this this two and hook? Or are the Colts that good and that good at home uh, and the Seahawks that good on the road that they think this is going to be – a close
0: one I think it's a fair I think it's a fair line I think this line is really really close I would lean Colts just well I take that back I would lean Seahawks here because they've been very good against the number on the road with Russ Wilson over the past couple of seasons if you look back at their record there but I think this line is is fair these are two teams that are you know sort of on the same level and they say generally that if you're a home team Mm -hmm. in the NFL that's worth about three points okay so at a neutral site this is close to being a toss-up right the Colts are getting a little they're getting a little credit here for playing in Indianapolis, which I see. But it's a pretty close game, and, and two teams that aren't exceptional but are b- very good or maybe above average. This is going to be a good one.
1: Yeah, the uh, the total of sitting at 52, I would be interested to play possibly the under on this one. Okay. Uh, simply for the fact, you, you guys know me, I love my defense. You do. Um, the Colts only give up 332 yards a game defensively. Yeah and uh, you know don't get me wrong Russell Wilson in that offense putting up nearly 380 yards a game that's a lot but at the same time when your defense is giving up under 350 yards a game I think that says a lot about your defense and your defense is at home it's week one they're feeling fresh this might be uh, a low scoring game so I would be interested to play the under possibly
0: okay I like that again I you know I go back and forth on totals I'm not a huge total player unless I see you know I try to follow sharp or professional betters on Twitter or look at what they, you know, what they have to say and why they believe the way they do. And I don't blindly follow someone who is a pro, but what I will do is is say, okay, why do they believe this? Does this make sense to me? And sort of take it into account amongst other factors. I just like the Seahawks here. I trust Russell Wilson more mm-hmm. than I trust Carson Wentz. I, and I, I keep saying that, but your quarterback plays so huge in the NFL. Yeah. And Russ, again, with the Seahawks on the road, they were actually better on the road against the number than they were in Seattle last season. So I like the Hawks. Only 17 more weeks until we have our answers. Up next, Jared Hockman from Covers.com joined us to talk through the NHL playoff matchups and which teams are favored in the first round. Jared Hockman is the publishing editor for Covers.com. And as I just mentioned, Jared, we're talking serious prices here. So let's start with this one right here. You have the Bruins, a favorite against the Capitals here. You know, I love the Caps. This is my team. However, there are some serious injury issues as well. So who do you like here?
2: Yeah, like you said, Jenks, I mean, you know, the Capitals are coming into this, you know, Ovi's been a little banged up with his back. And I mean, you have Kuznetsov and Carlson, um, you know, so there's a little bit of a question mark there, but they've got that pedigree. And these guys have been through the ringer many, many times. The sad, unfortunate thing is Boston is maybe the one team in this division that can say that they've been there just as much and they have the same kind of thing. Uh, the other problem is the Bruins are really turning it up right now. It seems to be, you know, playoff time. Boston. Uh, You know, that top line of Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak uh, are really just kind of clicking and clicking all year. Uh, But the biggest thing for the Bruins now is they have a second line. Uh, Surprise, surprise, Taylor Hall is actually playing good hockey now that he's gotten out of Buffalo. I think he's got about 14 points in 16 games since coming over. Uh, And another big thing for Boston is Tuca Rask is healthy. Uh, You know, so the number one goal is good to go. And that, I think, could be the biggest thing to watch in the series. You know, can you trust, you know, uh, Ilya Samsonov or Vidic Vanasek for Washington to go toe-to-toe, you know, with a veteran like Rask, who's been there? Um, You know, it's one of the two series in the NHL right now where the higher seed is actually the underdog. Uh, So I think you're really going to see this come down to six, maybe seven games, you know, and goaltending might be the difference that you see going on.
1: Another game we've got is the Penguins and the Islanders. What are you expecting out of this series? When you look out, when you look at the two of them, excuse me.
2: Yeah. So the Penguins got that first spot in the East and that is huge for them. because They have the league's best home record uh, and they're going to have home ice value, especially through this round and the next round, potentially uh, against the Islanders. New York actually has a sub-500 team on the road, so that's where the Pens have a really big advantage, and the Penguins went 6-2 and two against New York this year. Uh, but that said, listen, the Islanders, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. You know, they, they've also, they've done through this run. I personally think Barry Trotz might be the best coach in the NHL, and he gets the most out of this team, which really does lack some talent and lack you know, a lot of that high-end skill that some of his other teams do. Um, so I think, you know, this is not gonna be an easy out. Uh, But I think, you know, you look at the Penguins, they they're playing really good hockey. They've got goaltending, they've got defense, they've got the offense. Uh, The Islanders have stumbled a little bit. So I think taking, you know, the top seed with the home ice advantage at minus 140 is not a bad idea. You know, it's not bad value to take the better team there.
0: We're talking to Jared Hawkman, the publishing editor for covers.com. Find him on Twitter at JLHawk, that's H-O-C-H. Jared, so in the central, we got the Preds and the Canes and the Canes are pretty expensive favorite here. Is there any value on a Nashville team that took care of business against the Canes at the end of the season, even though I know Carolina wasn't exactly at full strength
2: there? Simply put, no. <laughs> I don't think there is. <laughs> no, I, uh, Carolina does it all. I mean, like, they're, they're a great possession team. They do special teams on both sides well. Uh, one of the best defensive teams in hockey, and they've got green breaking talent, you know, in Sebastian Ajo and, and Andre Svechnikov and those guys um <clears throat> yes Nashville won the last two games but like you said carolina wasn't really all invested in that and carolina went 6-0 against nashville earlier in the season you know and games didn't really matter um because the hurricanes are so juiced uh i think you could look at being a little creative in this series maybe taking carolina in a series handicap i know that carolina minus one and a half games is minus 125 so if they win in six games or four, or if you really want to push it Uh, minus two and a half at plus 180. So you can get some really good value out of there. Or if you want to do a series double, so take Carolina to win game one and Carolina to win the series, that pays out even money. Uh, So you you, you can still get that value you really want on the team you think is going to win, but you just got to be a little bit more creative in how you approach it.
1: So the Golden Knights are taking on the Wild, and the Wild, they're plus 200 underdogs. Is there absolutely any chance that there's value in them?
2: Yes, yes there actually is. Um, everything points to the Knights being the superior team. I mean they're a top five possession team you know where Minnesota's near the bottom they've been at the top all year but somehow the wild have Vegas' number they went five two and one five one and two sorry against Vegas this season. Uh, they've won five of the last six games in a head-to-head matchup and it's it's just you know it almost like defies the numbers. Uh, so you know when I looked at kind of the matchups this season, uh, Vegas still dominated possession in these games, but Minnesota was able to actually have like better quality scoring changes and they converted on it. And Minnesota also really excelled in the power play and the penalty kill. Um, I think the question for this series will be, can Minnesota's goaltending stand up? Uh, you know, veteran Cam Talbot had a really good year, but he kind of fell off the cliff at late April, early and then in, in, in this month. And against Vegas this year, he had a 3.26 goals against average and a sub 900 save percentage. And then the backup, Kakinen, had good numbers against Vegas. I think it won 151 goals against average in two games, but he's been just really bad the last two months. I think he's over like a 4.5 goals against. So that's going to be the question for Minnesota. Can the goalies stand up to this? Can they keep the wild in a game and in a series where they normally should be outplayed, but they seem to always hang around? Uh, in saying that, I still like Vegas to win the series, but I think you could look again something at like a Vegas minus one and a half. That's I think is like plus one hundred because you know you got to give credit for Minnesota. They're going to win a game or two in the series. They're not going to make it easy, uh, and I think or you can just look at maybe a total games in the series. Maybe look at the series going six overall or more.
0: Jared, when you look at the Lightning and the Panthers, I really like the Lightning a lot because, you know, Steven Stamkos should be back, and Nikita Kucherov is coming back, and that, that lineup is already talented, as we know, the defending cup champions. Is there value laying the juice there on the Lightning against the Panthers?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a reason that the Lightning have been one of the favorites all year despite, you know, having these injuries and these problems. It's because everyone knows that when all the pieces are together, they are a juggernaut. Um, even more in our favor, you know, the Panthers went 5-2-1 and one against Tampa this year. But the question is, like you said, what are they going to get from Nikita Kucherov, who has sat out all year coming back from a hip injury? Uh, what are they going to get from Stankos, who's missed, you know, what, three weeks now? You know, what are they going to get from Hedman and McDonough, who are kind of dinged up on Vulan? blue um, I like the Lightning to win the series as well, but I think there's actually a lot of value you could find in maybe taking the Panthers early in this series to kind of jump ahead. So, you know, I mean, I look at some of these uh, other series props for the Panthers to lead 2 1 after three games is plus 165. I mean, you're thinking, you know, as these Tampa guys get back into the lineup, you know, they got to shake a little bit of the rust off. You know, maybe Florida jumps out early on them. Um, That can also provide some more live betting value to take Tampa later in the series. Uh, Another one I like going back to my double is maybe the Panthers to win game one at home, but the Lightning to win the actual series as it goes on. That's a plus 375. Um, and that's you know that's where we can kind of capitalize on the fact that, like I said, Tampa might be a little rusty out of the gate. Florida's played really well against them, but you know the better team that gets healthier throughout the series will pull through in the end.
1: We got to go back to the West. I skipped a game. I want to ask you about the Avalanche and the Blues. So the Avalanche are plus money. When you look at Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup futures, excuse me, at plus 450, but they are taking a hefty, hefty price to put money down at minus 360. Are they that good that you have to put that much money down and there's no chance the blues can make this interesting?
2: Well, I mean, you can never say there's no chance, but every (laughs) model I have looked at has this as like 85% 85% or better for the Avalanche to win. Like this is the, this is not the slam dunk, but this is as close as you're getting in this first round. Um, Colorado really has been a top 10 team in almost every metric possible, both on offense and defense. Uh, and the blues have really struggled down the stretch. I think over like the last 20 games, they're dead last in the NHL, with like less than two expect goals per game. Uh, they don't generate a lot of chances. Their penalty kill has really struggled, which is really bad going against a Colorado team. It has, you know, McKinnon and McCarr and Ranton and, and those guys. And Colorado also went five and three against the Blues this year. But when their starter, Philip Grubauer, was in that, Grubauer had like a 1.68 goals against average and a 9.18 save percentage. So like, they really locked down. Um, I think, you know, if you're gonna take the Blues here, you're really, you, there's better lottery tickets you can go by. You not go by a lot of actors that you have a better shot at maybe winning this, um, but if you want to take Colorado, you know, maybe you can really go in like the minus two and a half series handicap, which is a plus 145 or take the Colorado game one Colorado series double. That's only at minus 140. So it just kind of takes a lot of that juice off. To, you know, still have the avalanche. You should romp through this series. Jared, Jets
0: and Oilers. So, you know, the Oilers have one of the best top lines in the game with dry and Connor McDavid. Edmonton is, you know, playing well while the Jets are, are really struggling coming in. Would you lay the chalk with yeah. Edmonton?
2: Yes, I would. Um, you know, you, on paper, you think the Jets would be a good matchup for them. You know, they've, they kind of got a little bit of forward depth. They have the better goaltender in Connor Hellebuck in this series. But, like I said, the Jets have struggled. They've lost line of, nine of their last 12, and you don't really count last night's win or two nights ago because that was a meaningless game. Um, and, you know, you talk about Hellebuck is the X factor, but the Oilers have actually owned him this year. Um, his goals against average is a full goal higher against Edmonton than any other North Division team, and he's only stopping about eighty-eight percent of the shots in his way. And then, for no surprise, Edmonton is seven and two against the Jets this year, and they've won six straight games. And uh, the reason for that is Connor McDavid is on another level, or planet, or world from everybody else. Um, you know, he's got multi-point games. I think in twelve of his last thirteen contests, it's just absolutely silly. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to trust Edmonton though because of what happened last year when they got upset by Chicago in that play in round is the five twelve. But I just think, you know, the Oilers I think they're gonna learn from that one. I think McDavid is even more on a mission right now. And you know, I would lay that juice with the Oilers. Um you can get you can maybe do a series handicap at minus one and a half. You think they might win it in six, you can get him at plus forty. Uh but it just, you know, Oilers are playing great, McDavid's on fire and the Jets are really struggling and I just don't see them turning it around in time you actually don't pull the series out in seven
1: games. All right, Jared, one of the <laughs> most storied rivalries in the game, the Leafs and the Canadians. Hockey fans are getting one of the best matchups, maybe too early for their liking. They'd probably like this a little bit later, but what are you expecting out of this one? Obviously, the Leafs laying 275, which is some steep money if you want, if, if you're Leafs fans, but Leafs fans, as you know, will put that down.
2: Yeah, and I mean, this is the first time we've seen the Leafs and the Habs since I think like nineteen seventy nine in the playoffs, um, and this—that's a thing that, that a luster of that matchup and the history and the rivalry makes me think that this is going to be a lot closer than you know the odds would suggest. Um, I know the Leafs are seven two and one against Venture All this year, and the Leafs have won eight of the last ten head to head meetings in Toronto. Um, but, you know, the Habs are getting healthier now. I know, Coach Dominic Ducharme said he expects Carey Price back and Weber and Gallagher and Philippe to know that they're all gonna be back in the series. Um, and Price is really the equalizer. It's, he's not had a great season, but he does step up in the playoffs. And you've got to assume they're gonna give him a chance to steal some games, you know, before Jake Allen has done great as a backup. Uh, you don't know what you're gonna get out of the Leafs with Freddie Anderson or Jack Campbell and that's. Um, so, you know, I think this series is gonna be a lot closer I do think Toronto pulls this out, but I think this is a great spot for fans, and especially Leafs fans, if you want to bet on it, maybe do a live betting opportunity. You know, maybe the Habs come out and steal the first game, or they steal an early game, maybe they get an early lead in the first period. Because, you know, the, all the pressure's on Toronto. You know, they've got this history, like, they gotta get over the hump, they gotta win a playoff series. And the Habs are playing with house money, so maybe, you know, the Habs jump out early, they steal game one or something, and that number comes down just a little bit, But again, you think the best team in the series is going to win over the course of it. So maybe you can jump on the Leafs there. Uh, So I'd practice some patience here. You know, if the Leafs come out and, you know, win this in four or five games, and so be it. You weren't going to win a ton of money anyways at minus 275. But like I said, if the Habs could steal a game early and just move that number down a little bit, you can get a little bit more value out of the bet than you wanted from the beginning.
0: He is Jared Hockman, publishing editor for Covers.com and a favorite here on this show, especially when he brings the hockey knowledge. Jared, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you.
2: Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Let's get those uh, playoff beards going.
0: Oh, that's a good call. It's playoff beard time. Megan, (laughs) let it go, baby. Let it go. (laughs) Thanks, Jared. I cannot properly put into words how much I love the NHL playoffs. That's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Michael Jenkins. Thanks for listening.